0: Church, let me invite you uh, once again to open up with me to those holy words, those ancient words, the words of the Scriptures, the words of uh, the Bible. So let me invite you to join me once again in Mark's Gospel, Mark chapter 6, as we uh, continue our message series from Mark's Gospel, uh, looking at the life and the ministry and the invitation uh, of Jesus extended to us. And as we begin today... Um, this is the beginning for many uh, of spring break. Uh, it's no secret that, that uh, spring break is not our, our, uh, our best attendance here at church. We do have a good showing this morning, so thank you for your faithfulness. Uh, as your pastor, I want to honor your faithfulness uh, this morning. And so as I call your name, uh, if you would just raise your hand uh, <laughs> where you are and let us know that you're here. You think I'm kidding. All right, here we go. All right, listen for your name. Voltaire, Sir Walter Raleigh, Marcus Aurelius, Simon Bolivar, Thomas Jefferson. Hmm. Uh this this must be the wrong list. None of these people are, are here. In fact, all of these people uh you may know uh are are dead, they're no longer Uh, with us Um, but as I read these names again I'm going to read these and some others let me encourage you where you are to see if uh, you can uh, recall or remember if you know in your mind who some of these people are Uh, don't raise your hand this time but but um, if you know uh, uh, think uh, those thoughts in your mind Uh, and see if you can determine what all of these names uh, have in common because they do have something in common so hear them again Voltaire uh, Sir Walter Raleigh, Marcus Aurelius, Simon Bolivar, Thomas Jefferson, Sri Krishna, Martin Luther, William Tyndale, Rosa Parks, William Wilberforce, Johann Gutenberg. All of these names, uh, some of you recognize some of these names, or perhaps there's a few in here that recognize all of Uh, these names, but all of these people have been uh, dubbed by Biography Online to be in a list of 100 people who changed the world. 100 people who changed the world. In other words, these are people whose names uh, are in textbooks. These are people who are taught about in classrooms. Uh, And the honest truth is that most of us Uh, probably couldn't tell you much about hardly any of these. Now, if the world doesn't know or remember that Simon Bolivar uh, was instrumental in bringing democracy to South America uh, by leading nations uh, to their independence from the Spanish Empire, or if the world doesn't know or remember that William Wilberforce uh, was a British social reformer who Uh, was instrumental in abolishing the British uh, slave trade. If the the world doesn't remember people like this, uh, then will the world remember you and me? Will the world remember us? You see, by and large, the world forgets even the most influential, even the most famous with time. Chances are that None of us, probably not even anyone we know personally, will end up on a list like this, with the exception of one. For there is one name that is at the top of that list, and that name will remain there forever and ever. Jesus Christ is His name, and He invites us to find our significance in life in Him. He invites us to find our purpose and our our, our mission, our value in and through him. And I think our text of scripture for this morning helps us see that. So as you find your place there in Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 6, I encourage you to uh, join me standing for the reading of God's word. Mark chapter 6, we pick up in uh, verse 7. This comes... Uh, immediately after the passage we looked at last week where Jesus returns to his hometown. He returns to Nazareth uh, and his uh, his hometown uh, says there's nothing special about this guy. Certainly he's able to do mighty things, but we watched him grow up. He's, he can't be that different than we are. Verse 6 we read, Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. Verse 7, Calling the twelve to him, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits these were his instructions take nothing for the journey except a staff no bread no bag no money in your belts wear sandals but not an extra shirt whenever you enter a house stay there until you leave that town and if any place will not welcome you or listen to you leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Verse 14, King Herod heard about this. For Jesus' name had become well known. Some were saying John the Baptist has been raised from the dead and that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Others said he is Elijah. Still others claimed he is a prophet like one of the prophets of long ago. But when Herod heard this, he said, John whom I beheaded, has been raised from the dead. For Herod himself gave orders, had given orders to have John arrested, and he had him bound and put in prison. He did this because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. For John had been saying to Herod, It's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him, but she was not able to because Herod feared John and protected him knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. Verse 21, finally, the opportune time came. On his birthday, Herod gave a banquet for his high officials and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. When the daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guest. The king said to the girl, ask me for anything you want, and I'll give it to you. And he promised her with an oath, whatever you ask, I will give you up to half my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, what shall I ask for? The head of John the Baptist, she answered. At once, the girl hurried to the king with a request, I want you to give me right now the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was greatly distressed, but, he, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he did not want to refuse her, so he immediately sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. The man went, beheaded John in the prison, and brought back his head on a platter. He presented it to the girl, and she gave it to her mother. On hearing this, John's disciples came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. Verse 30, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for these ancient words, these holy words, your words. Father, we thank you that they've been preserved and that they're available to us. Lord, we pray that you would speak to us through them this morning. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We may be seated. Church, I, I think the Bible teaches that Jesus gives lasting significance. That Jesus, the one we worship, the Son of God, the one who is the central character of Mark's gospel, the one who is the central character of the New Testament, the one who I think is at the heart of all of the scriptures, this one, Jesus, gives lasting significance. Now, The truth is, few, if any of us, will be remembered on this earth in 100 years names perhaps even our legacies will will pass away but not this one not jesus and this one invites us to find our significance in him he invites us to know him he invites us to live for him he invites us to join his mission he calls us his people to the scriptures we see that we are his ambassadors We are his representatives. And Jesus gives mission and authority to his representatives. Jesus, one and only son of God, the ruler on high, this one gives mission and authority to his representatives. Remember the call that Jesus extended, the invitation and call he extended to his disciples Mark's gospel opens, chapter 1, verse 17. Jesus uh, approaching Simon, also known as Peter, and his brother Andrew, for they were fishermen. And he says, What? He says, Come follow me, and I'll send you out to fish for people. Come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Come find your purpose in me. Come find your identity in me. Come give yourself to me. He calls them, they follow. Now he sends them, they go as his representatives. They don't go on their own. They don't go in their own strength. They find their strength in him. They go preaching the message that he has been preaching, the message of repentance, of sin and faith. They go performing miracles as he was performing miracles, casting out demons, healing the sick, all serving as witnesses to the truth of His, his identity. And just as a, an extension cord carries a power supply to a new area, these disciples, these students of the Master are simply a mere extension of His ministry. It's still not about them. It's about Him. But what, what about your life? What about my life? Do you have a mission in life? What is your mission? What is your purpose? Where do you find your significance? Where do you get your strength? From within or from Him? Church, invite Him to lead. Invite Jesus to lead you. Invite Him to be Lord in your life. Invite Him to shepherd you, to guide you, to lead you. Express your desire to follow after Him. For even though these specific instructions were somewhat unique to this particular time and place, context, Jesus still desires to lead us. He calls us to follow Him. King David said of, of God in Psalm 23 The Lord is my shepherd, He's my shepherd, He's my guide, He's my leader. Jesus said to his followers, and still says today, John chapter 10, verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Let's invite him to lead us. Let's invite him to shepherd us. So in your relationships, in your marriage, in your parenting, in your finances, in your scheduling, in your hurting, in all of your living, invite Jesus to lead you. Invite him to lead you. And trust him. To supply. Trust him to supply. For all of your needs. See on this particular occasion. Jesus sends out the twelve. He sends them with specific instructions. Telling them. In this case. To take really the bare minimum. To take only what they need. For the immediate journey. Emphasizing that there is an urgency. To the task at hand. And that while they go about the mission, they are to trust the God of the mission to provide for all of their needs. For He is the one who supplies for them. Do you know that this same God that we read about in the pages of Scripture is the unchanging one whose character remains the same? He's the same one who supplies our needs as well. There might be something in us at times that, has a tendency to say, "Well, wait a minute. I've worked hard. I've succeeded in achieving a degree or a couple degrees for myself. I've I've done well when it comes to relating to people. I've wooed CEOs and administrators and others with a winsome personality in order to get me where I am today. You know, we're quick to credit ourselves where God is the one who ultimately deserves the credit for." All of these things find their ultimate source in him. He is the one who supplies our needs. Paul writes to the church at Philippi, and he thanks them and encourages them. He thanks them for their generosity. And he reminds them that God would supply for their needs. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, he says, And my God, which, by the way, is our God, the only God, will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. My God, he'll he'll meet all your needs. Maybe not all your wants, but he will meet all your needs. He will take care of you. And as we serve him, as we get to know him, we, we want to serve him. We want to find our significance in him. We want to pursue him. We want to know him. We want to live for him. Those who know him want to serve him by participating in his mission. And we do so because many don't know who he is. The world, by and large, fails to grasp Jesus' identity. The world fails to recognize who He is, fails to grasp His identity, fails to acknowledge that that He is God. For King Herod, King Herod is mentioned in this chapter. King Herod, also known as Herod Antipas, was one of the rulers of Galilee and Perea from shortly after Jesus' birth, around 4 B.C., to... Year eighty thirty nine, 39. And this was uh, the Herod that Jesus appeared before uh, on the day of his trial. Uh, Luke's gospel tells us that. The Pilate, when he found out that Jesus was a Galilean, sent him to Herod. Pilate he didn't know what to do with him. The scriptures say that that on that day, these two, Pilate and Herod, who had been enemies, suddenly became friends over over the trial of. Of Jesus, But this Herod is at this stage in Jesus' ministry. He's hearing about Jesus. He's not met Jesus. But he's hearing about these remarkable things, these mighty works that are taking place. And we read verse 14. Some were saying John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. And that is why miraculous powers are at work in Jesus. Others said he is Elijah. And so others claimed he is a prophet like one of the prophets of long ago. But when Herod heard this, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised from the dead. The question concerning the identity of Jesus is at the center of Mark's gospel, right at the core of of what he wants to communicate, what he wants us to wrestle with. In fact, he tells us right away what he thinks about Jesus. He says that he believes Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. The opening chapter and verse... It he also conveys that many others who lived at the time weren't quite so sure. Many recognized that he was someone special, that he was someone significant, but they weren't going to go that far. Some said he's he's another prophet. Some even said he, he's he's Elijah, who's who's come back, a great prophet. In an effort to answer the question and fulfill the prediction of Malachi concerning. An Elijah figure that would come before the coming of the Messiah. And still others, like Herod, said this must be John the Baptist who's, who's come back from the dead. But another John, John the disciple of Jesus, the author of John's Gospel, and 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and Revelation, says this about the coming of Jesus. John chapter 1, verse 9, he writes, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. the true light and maker of heaven and earth, the one who rules and reigns on high, the eternal God, the creator of all life, took on human flesh. He became a creature. He came and lived among people and people did not recognize him. Failed to see who he, who he is. It reminds me of that television show, Undercover Boss. Have I seen that? television show portrays uh, executives, CEOs, and, and, and bosses and seems to be fairly large companies uh, uh, taking on a lowly position within the company in order to learn the ins and outs of portions of the company that he or she's not familiar with. In an effort to learn what it takes to perform a certain job well and all the while doing so undercover, hoping that others won't recognize him or her. Of course, at the end, there's an aha moment when the person's identity is revealed. But here the scriptures say that the God took on human flesh. The creator became a creature and the world did not recognize him. In the show, it's an attempt to conceal the person's identity until the very end. Not not so as we give ourselves to this mission, as we join in this Mission we are called upon to proclaim to reveal the identity of of Jesus Christ, the Son of God and Savior of the world, and by and large, the world still doesn't recognize him. The one who's at the top of the list, of the one who's the, the one who has most changed the world, is perhaps even so most misunderstood by the world. Do you know who he is? God's son, our savior, the one crucified for our sake, the one who invites us to join with him, the one who invites us to find our place in his kingdom, the one who offers life to us and forgiveness of sins and reconciliation with God. Friends, many don't know him. Many have failed to recognize Him. Many are still in need of Him. Thus, God calls us to share Jesus compassionately and persistently. Because the world fails to grasp Jesus' identity, we must share Jesus, the message of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus, compassionately and persistently. For in Jesus, God has been compassionate to us. In Jesus, God has been good to us. In Jesus, God is merciful to us. In Jesus, God extends life to us. This is a good message. And it's an urgent message. For eternity is at stake and people don't know this one. Many have failed to understand the identity of Jesus. Many have failed to repent and turn to Jesus. So let's, let's join the mission Let's share the news. Let's give ourselves to the glory of God by proclaiming his goodness and his mercy to the people of the world, knowing that it won't be easy. For Jesus never promised us it would be easy. But he promised us he'd be with us. In fact, he said just as he did, his people, his messengers, his disciples, his followers in this world would also face opposition. Those who serve Jesus face worldly opposition. According to the Scriptures, those who serve Jesus face worldly opposition. I think that's one of the underlying messages of this section. I think really that's why Mark has chosen to put these couple of passages together here. The sending out of the twelve. and Oh yeah, this story about what happened to John the Baptist. For, for John was... Proclaiming a message. He's proclaiming the truth. And suddenly, now he's dead. He's been unjustly killed in a brutal way because he spoke the truth. He spoke up about an adulterous relationship to the wrong person, landing him in prison and ultimately costing him his life. But he knew. That his purpose was to honor his Lord. He knew that his primary allegiance was to God. He knew that it was his desire to serve him. He got lost in that mission. Church, what would it look like if we got lost in that mission? If we gave ourselves for the spread of the gospel and the glory of God. John spoke the truth even when it cost him. Do you speak the truth? Even if it costs you. Church, speak the truth. Speak the truth, even if it costs you comfort, even if it costs you friends, even if it puts your job in jeopardy, even if it doesn't seem to be the primary message of your preferred political party. Speak the truth. We're called to speak the truth, but we're called to do so with grace. There's a right thing to say. There is truth. It's also a right way to say it, right? Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus. and He encourages them in this way. Encourages them to serve in the church in the body for the overall good and growth of the church. And he encourages them, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, to speak the truth in love. He says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body, the mature church of him who is the head. That is Christ. We're called to speak the truth. We're called to do so in love. Jesus came full of grace and and truth. We're called to speak the truth in a way that draws people to Jesus, that points people to Jesus, doesn't create a wedge between them and and Jesus. In fact, Herod, we're told here in Mark chapter six, was captivated by this John. He saw something in. John that grabbed his attention. Even though John spoke out against him, he recognized that John was a good man. He was a holy and a righteous man. And he feared John. He didn't want to kill John. Sort of spoke too soon and put himself in a predicament. He was haunted by his his actions, it seems. But John spoke the truth, even when it cost him. The twelve that Jesus sends out here in Mark chapter 6 spoke the truth. They preached the truth, even when... They were rejected. Jesus spoke the truth even when he was dismissed. So let's speak the truth. Knowing that not everyone will believe. As we give our life to the Lord and his mission, proclaiming his goodness, we can expect conflict and hostility. It's part of it. We can expect conflict and hostility. We can expect to be opposed at times if we're faithful. You know, safety is a good thing. Brick walls, seat belts, airbags, life jackets, guardrails, law enforcement. These, these are good things. Safety is a good thing. But significance, significance, that's an even better thing. An even better thing. For safety is an attempt to protect life so that it never ends. Significance, according to the Scriptures, I think, is an attempt to allow your mission and your life to extend far beyond the end of, of your life. And Jesus invites us to join something that never ends. He invites us to know Him. He invites us to find our significance in Him. He invites us to live for Him. He invites us to approach Him confidently. He invites us to call Him who is Lord, our friend. He invites us to approach God as as our Father. He gives us hope. Jesus gives us hope. For even though Jesus said his people and his mission will face opposition in this life, that opposition will soon come to an end. The king will return. Soon the king will return and all who follow the king will enjoy him forever so let's anticipate that day let's anticipate the lord's return let's look forward to the day by faith let's believe that the day is coming let's long for the return of the king we can sing and we can shout we can praise the lord because the king is coming the king is coming and if you know him you have every reason to rejoice knowing that your life finds significance in his. For your name and my name may, may not ever be found in textbooks, but if you know Jesus, they will be found in his book. For he knew you before you were even born. He knows you today. God will know you forevermore and invites you to know him he is coming for His people. He is coming for those that recognize He is Lord. Is He your Lord? Do you call Him Lord? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, we, we've heard some impressive horns this morning, even some trumpets. i got a feeling we've not heard anything like this trumpet. The trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Verse 17, after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Church, be encouraged today. Be encouraged by the words of Scripture today, the words of God today for for the King is coming. The King who gives us lasting significance, significance both in this life and in the one to come. So, until He comes, may we live for Him. Father, I pray that You would Help us to do just that. Lord, that you would continue leading us, guiding us, shepherding us, calling us, conforming us, that we might be faithful to you, that we might live for you, that we might serve you. Father, help us to get lost in your mission. Father, we thank you for your compassion, your grace in our lives. We thank you for extending the invitation salvation to us through Jesus. Father, I pray that there are those here this morning that don't know Jesus, that you would draw them to repent, turn to you. Father, I pray that you would lead all of us to pursue Christ, to give ourselves for, for your glory in us. Lord, lead us now as we respond to the truths of your word, capture our attention and our affection. Fix our eyes on Christ and it's in his name we pray and ask these things. Amen.